0: So if you came in and walked past this table in the back and didn't pick up communion elements, please go ahead and and go back there. You can do that right now. Um, Go back there and grab those for our time of communion here in a little bit. Um, Would you stand with me? We're going to begin, and I'm going to read just a piece of Psalm 8. Psalm 8 says, "O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens out of the mouth of babies and infants. You have established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon, the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him and the Son of Man that you care for him? What a thought. Who are we that God loves us and yet he does? So we're going to begin this morning singing just that.
1: Still waters into mercy When nothing can keep us up God of Jacob, you use the weak to lead the strong, you lead us in the song of your salvation, and all your people sing along. So
2: have no
0: we thank you for the love that we have because of you, because of your son. We thank you for loving us where we are. And this morning, as we turn our attention and our eyes to the sacrifice that you made, would you draw us near? Would you draw us near and make us more like Jesus? We pray in his name. Amen. you guys can have a seat.
3: This is the Sunday each month that we get to celebrate communion together, and uh, Paul tells us in Ephesians 11 that when we do this, we remember the death of Christ and proclaim his death until he comes, and we look forward to his return. We celebrate his death because he offers life through his death. And so when we take communion, we remember the gospel. And if you're here today and you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, I invite you to give your life to him. You can do that right now. Because when you give your life to Christ, then he forgives all your sins. So you're living with shame and guilt and regret and your sins are heavy upon you, past or current. I invite you to trust Jesus Christ and have your sins forgiven. If your life is full of fear and worry and anxiety that you cannot escape, no matter how far and how fast you run, I invite you to trust Jesus Christ today. Not only does he forgive your sin, but he gives you the free gift of eternal life. That's his life. He enters your life through the Holy Spirit to lead you and to guide you. And if you're just in need of hope, because you're wrung out and overwhelmed and falling in your area, I invite you to trust Jesus Christ this morning, because he offers hope through forgiveness, through the gift of eternal life, and through all with him. The gospel is very simple. Paul put it in one sentence. He said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. What do you believe? That he is God, the son, that he is, who he said he is, and, and that he did what he said he did, that he went to the cross and took on your sin to pay a penalty that you and I owe because he could be a sinless substitute and he could pay the price for our sin. That he died, he was buried, and that he rose again victorious over sin and death. And he offers life to all who believe in him. That's the simplicity of the gospel. There is nothing you can do to earn salvation on your own. There's nothing you can do to get rid of shame and guilt and discouragement and worry and hopelessness on your own upon Jesus Christ. You can come up with temporary solutions but they will nag at you again and again. So I invite you to trust Jesus Christ. If you're here this morning and you are a follower of Christ, if you've given your life to him, then I invite you to rejoice and to spend this time just giving thanks for what has done in your life, that he has forgiven your sins, that Jesus entered your life to lead you and to guide you and let him know how much you need him. And if the Holy Spirit brings sin to mind, confess that sin. But let's commune together. I'm going to invite everybody to, to back ahead and pray. And if you want to trust Jesus as your Savior, I invite you just to talk to Him very simply from the silence of your heart. Something like this: "Dear Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner, and I need You. And I believe that You are the Son of God. That You died on the cross in my place." We're buried and rose again. I ask you to come into my life and lead me. And I thank you for forgiving my sins and the free gift of eternal life. If you talk to Jesus that way today, you are now a follower of Jesus and he has entered your life. It's the simplicity of God's grace. And Lord Jesus, we do thank you for we're doing all the work of salvation, we are arrested again and again by your reckless love for us, the idea that you would pursue us again and again and again, that you would love us unconditionally and, and transform us into your likeness, that you would change our character from the inside out. You, you give us great hope each moment and we thank you for the relationship that you give us through trusting you let me give you a a minute or two just to talk to jesus in prayer silently and then we will take the bread and the cup together Dear Jesus, thank you for going to the cross for us, for paying for our sin, for rising from the dead, and our life, life indeed. We ask for grace uh, to love you in return. And we thank you for giving us this ordinance that we might celebrate you together we pray this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Your cup and wafer, there are two tabs. You want to lift the very top tab. I usually cheat and do it earlier in the service. You can take the bread, the wafer. The bread represents the body of Christ, which was offered up for as a sacrifice on the cross. I'm going to read the words of Jesus that he said to his disciples that night before he went to the cross. It would be Thursday of this week, Passion Week, before Easter, before good friends went to the cross, Easter when he rose. And this is what he said as he took the bread. He said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take the bread together. And if you want to pull. cup represents the blood of christ shed for our sin offered up for us and to initiate the new covenant this is what jesus said when he passed the cup around he so said this cup which is or excuse me yeah this cup which is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of Let's take the cup together pray lord jesus we thank you again for loving us enough and for this incredible demonstration of love upon the cross and we thank you that you didn't stay there and you didn't stay in the tomb but that you rose from the dead and we look forward to celebrating next week on easter sunday but we thank you that every day we can experience your resurrection power in our lives by your grace and we give you thanks for that in Christ's name. You can set your cups on the floor, and we'll get them afterward. Waypoints for the journey, checkpoints along the way, so that we are tracking with what God wants us to do is uh, the final in our series of waypoints for the journey. Oh! I'm going to check and see if any adults are leaving. <laughs> it's kind of deflating. <laughs> so I forgot to announce or dismiss our Sunshine Kids Club if you are a guest and you have a child in kindergarten through grade five, they are heading to a worship hour designed f- uh, appropriate for their age. And if you want to take them, if you want to stay or meet the staff, you can pick them up across the hall afterward. Okay, for the journey. These, these are checkpoints that we've been looking at. With vision, we went to mission, and then we went to core values. And we are now on the sixth core value, the last one. It's called adventurous compassion. It has to do with announcing the good news, sharing the gospel evangelism. Now, I may have killed it with that last word because that's the word nobody really wants to or think or do. But announcing the good news, keep that in mind as we think about this thrilling, exciting, unexpected adventure that God leads on as we share the gospel of Jesus Christ with this world. And it's a core value for us values are constant, they're passionate, they're biblical core beliefs that drive history. And they sit in their driver's seat because they help us in our goal setting and how we spend our money and how we make decisions and the, what risks we take and all kinds of things that they drive. Well, adventurous compassion has to do with taking the gospel to the world. We know that God loves people. And we want to love people as much as he does. enough that we are willing to share the gospel with them. So this is the sixth and final core value. We won't be doing waypoints for the journey next week. We'll be celebrating the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Even though we've mentioned that a couple of times when we've talked about transformation. Let's pray. Then we're going to look at Acts 1-8. Lord Jesus, thank you for these waypoints. Thank you for these checkpoints that help us we are following your heart what we believe is your heart for conroe bible season and we thank you for giving it to us and we ask for grace to hear from you and perhaps to gain a fresh understanding commission for us and how you want to serve you and we pray this in the powerful name of jesus amen Adventurous compassion is the great strategy of our Lord for offering the grace of the gospel, the simple grace of the gospel, to our world. Starts here at home and spreads throughout the globe. With you individually and spreads through your sphere of influence. We have two commands in scripture and the first one is to love God. The second one is to love people. And one of the greatest ways that we can show that we love God is to respond in loving obedience to his commands. One of the greatest ways that we can show that we love people is to share the with them. To realize that eternity hangs in the balance. And that if we do not share the gospel with them, then we are withholding something from them that they desperately need. Doesn't mean they won't get it somewhere else. Doesn't mean God won't still chase them. This means that we haven't been faithful in what we've been given to do. And we've, told, we've chosen to call it adventurous compassion, this course. And it's distinctively pointed Outward, We looked at some core values that were more horizontal uh, among the church family, and we looked at some core values that were more vertical, uh, just strictly about our relationship with Jesus last week was somewhat like that in following Jesus and our allegiance and This one is distinctly pointed outward; it originates in our relationship with Christ and it 's encouraged by our gathering together but it's distinctly focused outward we think about everything that goes on here in this commission given by jesus christ we are thinking about those who are outside church family those who are not yet followers of jesus christ and we ask the lord to give us a passion for them and see is it adventurous compassion Unleashes the power of God in our mission. Turn to Acts chapter 1, verse 8. So that's the big long book after the four gospels in the New Testament. This book, uh, to put a little context together for us where Acts 1 8 comes up, this book fills in the gap between the Gospels of Jesus Christ. It talks about his works and ministry here on earth, and then the letters of Paul to the churches all over the Mediterranean basin. And so, in between here, we have the Acts of the Apostles or the Acts of the Holy Spirit, Acts of the Acts uh, of the risen Lord through the Holy Spirit through the church. And it's here that we get to see great adventures as the gospel from Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria in the remotest parts of the Roman Empire. And so, Acts is a fascinating book to catch up on what God has done. In the Gospels, we have Jesus Christ, the Son of God incarnate, perfect man. And in the book of Acts, we have his continued ministry through imperfect men and women. As he fills us with his life and continues to incarnate him to us to go into the world to have this witness I invite you to turn to Acts 1. Mission is the secret strategy of God for reaching the world with the gospel and with his grace and truth through Jesus Christ. In the gospel Jesus did it through his own body. And in the book of Acts, he's doing it through the bodies of men and women who have been following him, who are to him, who have a new loyalty through faith in Jesus Christ. And in our lives and in our community, Jesus does it through us. He continues that incarnational ministry. That's how he wants to change the world. Our ministry is adventurous because there's some risk-taking in it. You could even say low risk, low reward. You don't go out and share the gospel. You never see the joy of seeing anybody come to Christ. High risk, high reward. It's exciting because you cannot interpret what God is going to do because this is his work. He tells us to be faithful in just announcing the good news. He's the one that changes hearts. But our ministry is full of compassion as well because we're willing to bring the hope, the grace and the truth of Jesus Christ to a world that is in need of Jesus Christ, to a world that, that may be against Jesus Christ right now, but desperately wants him to deal with sin and to give hope and to bring life. Well, the introduction of the book of Acts, verses 1 through 11 or 1 through 14, depending on how you study it, or study it, picks up on the end of the gospel of Luke. And the book of Acts is written by Luke, by the physician. He's the author of both the gospel of Luke and the book of Acts. And in, at the end of Luke 24, Jesus is talking there and he, and he gives a command. He says, I want you to wait here in Jerusalem and I want you to wait until the which is the gift of the Holy Spirit picks up on that again here in verses 3 and 4 and then he's going to excuse me in verses 1 and and 2 and then in verses 3 and 4 he goes right to the bedrock of our faith and he goes right to the resurrection of Jesus Christ Paul tells us in Corinthians 15 that if there is no resurrection of Christ we have no faith he gives several other things that are, that are messed up then too. So Jesus goes to the bedrock of the faith and he, and he gives three convincing proofs there. He, he says, you guys saw me in these 40 days since my resurrection. You heard me as I spoke about the kingdom and I ate with you guys. Your version may say gathering together like mine. But in the margin, it lets you know that literally it says eating together. And so he's addressing some of the accusations that people had then, and even today, that the disciples just had hallucinations, that Jesus didn't rise from the dead. They just hallucinated. They just thought that time it was some kind of mirage or image, and they were wrong. Well, no, because hallucinations can't be heard, and they don't eat meals. And so Jesus just says, hey, here's the bedrock of our faith. Let me remind you this because you can have all confidence going forward. And then he reminds them of the promise of the Father to come. In verses 4 and 5, the gift of the Holy Spirit. They're to wait to Jerusalem until they receive this gift, until they receive power through the Holy Spirit. And and because they hear that and because they've heard the promise, Joel and Ezekiel and Daniel and Isaiah, they know that the coming of the spirit precedes the coming of the kingdom. And so they ask a question, is it time for the kingdom now? And Jesus says, well, no, it's not time for the kingdom. It's not time, it's not for you to know. That's fixed by the father's authority. And then he's going to give a commission. Here's how you can spend your time. Adventurous compassion captures for us the mission of the church as laid out by Jesus in his final words on earth. And we get to Acts 1 8. And this is the key verse for the entire book. It sets out the theme, it sets out the direction of the book. And in this verse, we get to see a commission. For us, we get to see the extent of that commission and we get to see the power behind it. So let me read verse 1-8. But you will receive power, says Jesus, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest parts of the earth. Jesus gives us our mission. He tells us how far to take that. And he tells us the power behind that mission for us. Those are the things that we want to look at this morning. The first one is our mission. Adventurous compassion means that we partner with Jesus in his work. This is the core commission of Jesus. These are his final words before he ascends into heaven. He came to earth as fully God and fully man to reveal the Father and to redeem people from their sin and offer life to all who believe in him his ministry was incarnational and now he's handing that off to his disciples and eventually to us to keep that ministry going as verse one he began to do and teach in the gospels we are to keep it going to continue doing and teaching he indwells as we do his work And so in the first section, we're going to concentrate on the core commission, which is you shall be my witnesses. We are witnesses for Christ. Isn't that exciting? The living God of the universe would choose us to carry out his plan, that he would invite us, even commission us to join him in his work. And there are no loopholes here. There are no exclusions. He's calling on everyone. Some people have a defined, clear gift of evangelism. Not everyone does, but everyone is called to be a faithful witness, to, to give a witness of what God has done. And is. witness is a word that is used almost 30 times in the book of Acts. Well, what does a witness do? A witness tells what she or he has seen and heard what he and she has, he or she has experienced. In court, the judge doesn't care about the ideas or the opinions of a witness. He just wants to know what they have seen and heard. What have they experienced? And so when you and I go out as a witness, we are just telling what we know about Jesus Christ. And if you've been saved by Jesus Christ, then you know you have experienced salvation. You've experienced the forgiveness of sins. You know what it's like to step into your life and lead you. And you can tell people about that. You know that he died on the cross for your sins, was buried and rose again. You can tell people about that. You can share all believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. These are things that we can do as we fulfill the commission. Uh, Of Jesus Christ and you can see John were so compelled in chapter 4 of the book of Acts again going ahead and looking what these guys did with this commission they were so compelled that even as they stood in this intimidating uh, group with all the religious and of Israel who made decisions about who could live and die among the Jews they said, hey, we cannot stop saying what we have seen and heard. They were so motive- motivated because of God's love for them and because of the power of the Holy Spirit in them. Part of what makes the adventure so exciting is that we follow these apostles as witnesses, of Jesus Christ. We don't know where he's going to lead us, how he's going to lead us, but we step out in faith and simply talk to others about Jesus. Well, what does an effective witness do? What does that entail to be an effective witness of Jesus Christ? It's just simply announcing the good news. Simply letting people know that Jesus has died for their sins, buried and rose again. That's the simplicity of the gospel, and inviting them to turn their lives over to Jesus to take on a new allegiance and a new loyalty with Christ, to allow him to enter lives and lead them. We do that with our lips and with our lives. so when you think about We need to inform people of this simple message that we know from Scripture, as I've said during communion, as I've said just now, that Jesus came as fully God and fully man to this earth, that he came to reveal the Father and to redeem us. He went to the cross and paid a penalty for our sin that we could not pay. He was buried and rose again from the dead. And between the cross and the resurrection, he defeated sin, death, and Satan. And he offers life to all who believe in him. That's an incredible gift. There is nothing that anyone can do. When you trust Christ, your sins are forgiven because he has done all the work. And so you can't give enough money to the right charities You cannot serve in enough places. You can't be kind to the right people enough to be saved, to have your sin dealt with, to spend eternity in heaven with Jesus Christ. The good news is Jesus Christ did all the work for you on the cross. And he offered to all who believe in him. There is no one so good that they do not need to trust Jesus Christ. Everyone must trust Jesus Christ for salvation. And there is no one so bad that they cannot be forgiven for their sins and that they don't need to trust Jesus Christ. There's no wiggle room here. There's no argument. Way. Anyway, everyone must trust Jesus Christ for forgiveness of sins, life, or spend eternity separated from God. we tell people that Jesus offers them the free gift of eternity. That's our role. It's just a role of faithfulness. It's a, it's a role of loving obedience to Jesus Christ, to go out and love people enough to tell them that. Some people like to just walk up cold on the street and tell people that. Others do it through conversations and others do it through relationships. God has called us to be a witness. And he's called us to do that in ways that fit our personality and our temperament. But he's asked us to inform others about Jesus. Do that with our lips. We also inform people of the love and the power of God through our changed lives. Through our changed lives. Now, anyone, even the weakest and worldliest follower of Jesus can be faithful in announcing the good news. But there are people in the world who want to see a changed life. They want to know that the inner reality is matching up with what you say Jesus does when you talk about the gospel, that he can transform you and change the inside out so that you experience love and joy and peace and patience and goodness and faithfulness, gentleness. People want to see that kind of change in a life. Some people do. And what it does is it certainly brings a level of authentication, validation to God's work in you and in me. And it's fascinating as we read the Acts of the Apostles, we see these people who are transformed from being fearful followers of Jesus and the Gospels and scared to death of the religious leaders to people that are full of confidence and this lives that have been changed to see relationships come together in community. And that's because the inner reality matches up to what they say Jesus does. I've been fascinated listening to Jordan Peterson. I don't know if you're familiar with him. I don't think he's yet a follower of Christ, but uh, one of the podcasts I watched this month appears he's getting very close. He's a Canadian uh, psychologist and, and, and speaker, has thousands of followers, and and speaks about morality and life. He's not PC, so not a lot of people enjoy him as well, but uh, he tries the truth, and I think that has led him down the road. I, I watched a podcast this month uh, or that he did this month with jonathan jonathan joe and in this he talks about his relationship uh, or his thoughts about jesus christ now if you've ever listened to him and i don't listen to him a great deal but i have heard uh, probably a half dozen of his uh, podcasts over the last year um he will often say people ask him all the time do you believe in god because he he talks about morality so much and he will he'll say things like well i don't believe God exists, but I'm terrified that he might. I, I don't believe that God exists, but I try to live like he might. Uh, and, and so he's not there yet, but he's, uh, he's an avid reader of C.S. Lewis and, and others, and he knows the Bible. In fact, some of you have sent me podcasts he has done on characters in the Old Testament. But this is what he said this month. He got very emotional as he talked about Christ and whether or not he might yet believe in him. I seen him emotional like that before and uh and then he had this to say, and this flows with the idea of witnessing with our lives as well, because I honestly believe Peterson is looking for hope and he's looking for assurance and and for the answer and 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 he said two things that stuck with me in in just a five-minute blurb he said there's no limit to what would happen if you believe god existed and act on that fully now does that somebody sound like somebody that's read the book of acts it's aware of life change and transformation because of jesus christ We would agree. The apostles turned the world up, down, not because they were leaders or philosophers or teachers, because they were just followers of Jesus Christ. Talking out of his, about him and with his power. They were passionate witnesses. And then Peterson went on to say this. He said, maybe it's reasonable to say to believers, but he sees this as his personal journey of faith. So he continues, and he says, you aren't sufficiently transformed for me to believe that you believe in God or that you believe the story that you're telling me. The way you live is not sufficient testament to the truth. That's interesting, isn't it? I don't say that to condemn anyone here or, or to make you feel guilty or manipulate or anything else. This is a man who I believe is honest in his search for the truth, and I believe the Spirit is drawing him in. What I mean is that he's looking for hope, he wants to see that kind of transformation. And unfortunately, he's been surrounded by people that don't care that way, that don't live out for Jesus Christ. Now we're all imperfect people, and we fail to a great deal in following Jesus Christ. But part of being imperfect and being real and being genuine is that we deal with that, that we confess our sin and we move on and we seek the Lord's strength in and, and obeying Him and living for Him and letting Him change us from the inside out. What Jordan Peterson does for us is to remind us the importance of our lives when it comes to being a witness for Jesus Christ. Adventurous compassion requires both our lips and our lives as we announce the good news and share the gospel of jesus christ as i said earlier i don't share that to knock anybody down as i said earlier even the worldliest believer can announce the good news but we want to be a people who offer a strong witness and for those that uh, you're, you're familiar with the old joke that uh, those that accuse you of being a hypocrite and they don't want to come to Christ because you're a hypocrite, um, you can tell them there's always room for one more. But you can also own it and say, yeah, I fail a lot, but Jesus is with me and he loves me and he's restoring me. We are called partner with Jesus in his work, to tell people that he, that Jesus saves because he saved you, to simply share what you have seen and heard and what you have experienced, that he can change a human heart. We've heard the commission, and now we get to see the extent of that mission. And it's this, in, in the last part of the verse, adventurous compassion means that we confront that we will be in conflict with our culture. Adventurous compassion means that we confront the world. The extent of the mission is, is worldwide, and we are called to be witnesses in our own field where God has planted us. At Conroe Bible Church, we often refer to that as our soil or our sphere of influence to love, the, the relationships, the network of people that he has put us in on a daily or weekly basis but he also wants us to take it far beyond that into areas that might be hostile toward us or uncomfortable or even a different culture. Here are Jesus' words at the end of eight. He says, In Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest part of the earth. Now, the comfortable way to, to say that is just to talk about the concentric circles going out from our soil to our state and our country and and globally. And that's nice. And maybe you a passport because maybe the Lord is calling you to go cross-culturally with the gospel. And and we could also look at that and say, hey, now we have an outline for the book of Acts because chapters one through seven are, are all about the work of the gospel in Jerusalem. And chapters eight through 12 are all about the work of the gospel in Judea and Samaria. And then chapters 13 to 28 are all about the gospel going out to the remote parts of the Roman Empire. And so we have an outline for the book. But this is a phrase, this is, this is part of the commission of Christ that, that we have heard so much. I don't know that we always get the full impact of it, that we don't understand it the way the original disciples would have. And I think they would hear those words with, with conflict and tension. And they heard Jesus say, I want you to be my witnesses. And here's where I want you to do it. What he's doing is asking us to the world. He's telling us that adventurous compassion, our love for people enough to share the gospel, is going to bring us in conflict with a culture that is against Christ. Here's what we see. Look at where Jesus gave this vision of, of the gospel penetration and how far it would spread. He started with Jerusalem. Now remember that most of the apostles came from Galilee. Up north, then you had Samaria, and then you had Judea and Jerusalem. And they were thought of as less than by the people of Jerusalem and Judea. They thought of themselves as the pure Jews. These Galileans, they were Jews, but, you know, they were up there next to all the Gentiles. So they had to be heavily influenced, and they probably weren't as pure as the Jews in Jerusalem. And so there was already sort of a social outcast look toward the Galileans and that's where he's telling them to go take the gospel. But not only that, this is where just a few weeks before Jesus has been crucified and there has already been an effort started to wipe out those who were followers of Jesus Christ. And so he's asking them to start in very hostile territory I want you to go back to Jerusalem. It's just a couple of miles there over the Mount of Olives. I want you to go and start as eyewitnesses there. He's asking them to confront the world. He mentions Judea and Samaria. So Jerusalem to Judea would be like a state. And again, it would be that area that thought it was a pure Jew, more orthodox than the Galileans. And so there's a little bit of a, distance there. But then he brings in Samaria. These were the Jews when the Assyrians invaded in 800 B.C., 8th century B.C., that they intermarried with the Jews there and were now no longer pure Jews and always been looked down upon by all Jews. And Jesus is saying, take them to these people that you guys think of as corrupted the ones that you have never wanted to have any so in reaching judea with the gospel the galilean apostles would have to overcome barriers of regional pride cultural arrogance but in moving on to samaria they would have to overcome long-held ethnic prejudices and then the end of the earth What's he talking about there? Well, in their minds, typically that meant the extent of the Roman Empire, the Mediterranean basin, if you will. And that meant Gentiles. For a Jew, there were two kinds of people in the world. There were Jews, Gentiles. There were God's chosen people. or the dogs of the world. They wanted nothing to do with the Gentiles. And Jesus is saying they're included want them to have a witness want them to be told about me and so to go to the ends of the earth to go to the gentiles meant to overcome centuries of racial and and social and religious and cultural prejudice and and break down all these walls of separation that's what jesus was calling them to do adventurous compassion means that we confront our world Adventurous compassion will put us in conflict with our culture, whether it is our next door neighbor or across the world. And we are not called to condemn the culture or the people of it. We are not called to steamroll the culture with our witness or with the power of God. We're simply to call to love people. And as we love people, to love them enough to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's some new Barna research that came out earlier this month, and it was surveying unbelievable people and people that they might respect to as a witness. And it said what they're looking for in the world is relationships with Christians that listen without judgment. Listen without judgment. And you may have a, an initial knee-jerk reaction to that. And say, how can I tell them about Christ without Coming across as judgmental. I would focus on the part of that first. The listening has to do with communication, communication has to do with just understanding. And so that as we build relationships, we just seek to understand where a person is coming from. There's definitely an appropriate time to bring grace and truth. We have to speak the truth in love for the gospel of Jesus Christ. But one of the we can show that we love someone is to listen to them, to understand where they're coming from. And sometimes the Lord uses that to open up hearts for the gospel. That's one of the ways that we can confront a world that is often hostile and against us and confronts a lot of our prejudices along the way. We've been called to go to the end of the world to announce the good news of the gospel and to do it with our lips and our lives. Well, Jesus gave the commission in verse 8, and, and then he told us how far to take it. And the great thing is he also reveals the power, the source behind the power that we can take it out. And here's what I would say about the first part of the the, the verse. Adventurous compassion means that our mission is unstoppable. Unstoppable. One of the great things about reading through the Acts of the Apostles is to to see ordinary people do extraordinary things. And it's not because they're gifted or uniquely skilled. It's because they are just zealous about depending on the Lord and letting the power of the Holy Spirit work through them. It's stirring to read this book and to have the same desire arise in you to be used by God in the same way. The power of the first century church is only explained by the power of the Holy Spirit, and the power of Conroe Bible Church is only explained. By the power of the Holy Spirit. Why everything we do, we want to be tied to the power of the Holy Spirit. May us become more like Jesus. So that we can reach this around us. This is what he says, the first part of the verse. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. After an interlude of 10 days, that would take place there for the apostles and for the disciples of Jesus Christ. It was something that was promised in John 14, the, the night before Jesus Christ went to the cross. It was promised at the end of Luke 24, when Jesus said, wait here in Jerusalem until the hour, the promise of the Father has come upon you. It is something that we don't have to wait for on this side of the cross and on this side of Pentecost. When you place your faith in Jesus Christ, Holy Spirit enters your life. Jesus Christ enters your life through the Holy Spirit. And his power is available to you. The very life of Jesus Christ is available to you constantly and continuously. And if it's not at work, it's because you and I are not depending upon him. We're not submitting to him. We're not allowing him to work. The most imperfect disciples, both then and now, become faithful witnesses through the power of the Holy Spirit in us. Adventurous compassion unleashes the power of God, and we express dependence upon God, and we go out and faithfully witness. Then God begins to work in the hearts of those that don't yet know Jesus. Some people fear rejection. Some people risk socialism. Some people are fearful that their personality won't the gospel. Too many Christians have bought into the lies of Satan and the lies of our culture that the that the gospel, that the church is outdated or a relic of the past. That it is morally regressive is a term i used this week those are lies of satan and we aren't to make agreements with those we aren't to live by those we're to live by the power of the holy spirit and when we are a faithful witness and the power of the spirit is at work we are not responsible to change hearts some people that they don't know the whole Bible, and that they don't know theology, and that they can't argue people into the kingdom. That's not our purpose. We're just to be faithful witnesses, to share the gospel, and to let God work. Paul tells us that in 1 Corinthians 2. He says, we came to you to preach Christ crucified, and we did it with fear and trembling. (laughs) The greatest apostle come with all this confidence and, and authority he just came with fear and trembling dependent upon the power of the holy spirit he says First Corinthians 3 he talks about he planted and apollos watered but God brought the growth Jesus on 4 talked to the woman at the well and then to his disciples later and he he said Some will sow the gospel and others will reap it. So you won't always close the deal. You are not responsible for changing hearts. You and I are responsible for sharing the gospel. That's where we're faithful in response to God. And God's power is unstoppable. If Satan were to write out a scouting report on the gospel going out through faithful witnesses, I think he would say this, that God's power is unstoppable and God's power cannot be snuffed out and God's power cannot be defeated. So what his strategy be? Well, the strategy would likely be to focus on us, to distract us, to fill our minds with issues, social and political and circumstantial in our lives, economic, financial, that distract us not only from just being willing to share the gospel, but depending on the Lord when we do. He might fill our with passions and, and loves that distract us from the gospel of Jesus Christ and, and a concentration on being willing to share the gospel with those around us. We just have to be faithful and let God's power work. When it comes to adventurous compassion, one author said this, the ministry of the Holy Spirit is not a luxury. It is a necessity. And so we've got to be faithful to announce the good news. We've got to be dependent upon the Spirit. And we can just say, hey, Lord, I'm a, uh, I want some opportunities to share the gospel. Give me the grace to take hold of those opportunities as I share the gospel. I want you to do the work. I'm dependent upon your power Charts. Let this take root by your grace. That's all we're called to do as we go out and share the gospel. Be faithful and let God work. Adventurous compassion unleashes the power of God. And you might say, well, God can unleash his power at any time, right? And he can bring people into the kingdom and does through all kinds of varied ways. His actions and, and through all kinds of circumstances in people's lives. But we unleash his power when we depend upon him as we share the gospel. The last few months, I've had four or five people text me, hey Dave, I've been having spiritual conversations with the boss at work or just shared the gospel with a friend. Would you pray for God to be at work in their heart. I've seen a couple of those uh, same type of requests in, in uh, our adult Bible fellowship prayer requests. and that me Because my dream is that that will just become commonplace. We'll always be telling stories of how the Lord allowed us the opportunity, the joy of sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. That will become part of praying for one another fervently frequently. It will be part of the stories that we tell as we encourage one another to love and good works. Adventurous compassion unleashes. The Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for the privilege of being in to do to be partners with you in, in this way of penetrating the world, the culture, our soil with the gospel. We thank you, as we did during communion, for the relationship you've given to us and the life change you've brought. And we ask for grace to let this be prominent in our lives, to look with joy at every relationship, with opportunities to point people to you. we we'll give you thanks in Christ's name. Amen.
0: Stand together. We've not done this last song before, not at this church, Um, and I just want to give you a heads up. Um, You might need to encourage one another and and maybe take a really deep breath um, and uh, and in between verses high five the person next to you when we get through it, okay? That's all I'm going to say.
2: I'm so nervous.
1: Same old road for miles and miles. If you've been here in the same old, tell the same old lies. If you've been trying to fill the same old holes inside, there's a better life. There's a better life. If you got pain.